I always really like talking to Paul. Whenever I speak with him, I always get some bits of information that you kind of don't see through his videos. And in this conversation, it's such a great eye-opening some um, aspects of how he works. And it's such a great conversation. So I really hope you enjoy it just as much as we did recording it. Here's the conversation. Well, this is the whole um, point with technology, I think, um, to, to use it um, the best way you can, right? To, but not overdo it. This is the whole point. And I think, you know, being in tech for so, so long, I've seen so many people, what I would say, make mistakes, right? Because you, you come into this, um, uh, come into this as well with when working with your clients, saying, um, you mentioned it in the group call once about how do you do a spit, like a little thing that you know, yeah. but they yeah. just don't know. Stuff that you think is really simple. We forget that the stuff that we think is really simple, other people find really impressive. I had an example today. I spoke to a woman. Uh, she was getting some help with Asana. She's brand new to Asana. And she said, oh, I, I, I was creating some tasks and I created some subtasks, which was amazing. Right. I was like, really? That's the thing that impressed you, subtasks? <laughs> it's interesting how, I mean, the thing is, you know what you know and you don't know what you don't know is such a stupid, simple, yeah. cliched saying. But I always say, and I've said this so many times, no question is a stupid question. Mm. But there's a cravat to that, unless you ask me three times. Yeah. <laughs> then I'm calling you out. And, but no question is a stupid question because you don't know. You don't know how to be a surgeon. You don't know how to fly a helicopter. You don't know these things. You just don't. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask. Yeah. So it's, I mean, obviously it's in a different realm to, you know, from flying a helicopter to subtasks. I get it. But the essence is the same. You're still... <laughs> Asking a question. And that's why, and that's why we have jobs, right? Like, it, it's funny. I sometimes catch myself thinking, like, how how do you not know this? Or I get frustrated, like, why why don't you know this? Or why am I answering these simple questions? And I'm like, hang on, Paul, this is what you're being paid to do. <laughs> People right. are paying you to teach them how to use technology. Like, that's why you have a job. Don't complain. <laughs> if everyone yeah. was as confident or as competent with you with tools and could pick things up quickly you'd have a normal job somewhere, you know, or be doing something else. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny because my best friend, Flotia, uh, she's constantly banging on about the same thing. It's like, stop complaining because if people, I mean, and in fact, if people actually do say that in Twitter on Twitter at me, it's like, wait, mm -hmm. if, if everyone knew everything, you wouldn't be in, in work basically, which is true. Yeah. That's what consultants do. We go in and, fix people's problems so it's kind of good that people know that don't know those <laughs> questions those yeah. answers to the questions yeah. but how do you um because you i've known you for a long time now for a long time even before you, yeah. we knew each other it's been a few years yeah yeah it's been a few years but i've been following you because i got into this whole asana and uh, pipe drive thing so i watched your videos and then got your course and then went into your master's yeah. um, thing. So I've kind of followed you from the beginning almost. And mm. it's interesting how your, um, how your, how our paths are kind of the same in a way and mm. what we do. 
However, <laughs> the way I do things is so over, I think I oversimplify things sometimes, whereas you don't. You, you, you're kind of totally focused in a different way to, to what I am. Not that they're opposed necessarily. Not, yeah, not that there's a better or worse. It's just we, no. we each have different uh, preferences and it's what makes people interesting is that we're all unique. And I think, you know, an example I thought about recently is I think you'd said something on Twitter about you hate automation. And I was like, <laughs> what? I love automation. Are you kidding? Like <laughs> automation yeah. is so good if it, if it helps me to save time and scale and automate stuff that I don't want to do. Like, and it's, it's just one of those examples. Like you, you, you're sort of at the opinion, well, if I can simplify something enough where I don't need the automation, that's, and, and I agree, but I'm, I guess I'm attacking it from the point of view as well. Yeah. So obviously if you can eliminate a step or simplify it where you don't need it, that, that is preferable. And I like that mindset because you're, you're like, the person I often have in the back of my head when I'm working on something or setting something up, I think, what would Kay do? Um, but yeah, obviously, you know, sometimes that uh, that is unavoidable. So you have to automate. Yeah. I, this is the thing. I do not like automation for specific reasons. Automation is needed. I'm not a kind of automation out. That's it. I'm never going to use it. And automation means different things to different people. I think, and there are different types of automation. So, so I use um, like a buffer type program. That yeah. is automation. That's not. Mm. It's it's not just a, It's not just an app. It's it's automation in the sense that you're putting something in and you're automating it to go to two or three or multiple different platforms. Yeah. That is automation. So I'm not opposed to that kind of automation. What I'm opposed to with automation, and a thing that bothers me is that it's depending on what you're trying to do, it's not human, right? So I have an email list. Of course, there's yeah. automation involved. But the way I use it isn't, isn't right. I know that. I've got, I've got a long way to go with that. <laughs> but I find a lot of people use automation specifically in email, and it's not, there's, they've lost the human element. I agree. Of the connection, of the sales, of the whatever it is that they're trying to do. And I was speaking about this yesterday in, in my group where I've stopped using Calendly because of that mm. human, that loss of human connection. And I thought, well, how can I simplify this? What, what's, what's the reason that I'm stopping to do this? And the reason was the human connection, but also um, because of what I do with tech minimalism, people always book a call kick the tires but they're not in it to hire you they're in it to go well what's this about like jesus christ i've got loads of videos going you know, don't waste yeah. my time but again the other the other issue with that kind of automation is that they're injecting themselves into my calendar and as you know i have nothing in my calendar mm -hmm. i try not to put i don't do back to back i do five tasks a day i do one client a day if i need to and that's it um, so I, when my mind is, okay, what shall I do today? I don't want to wake up to, oh shit, I've got to do this. Cause I didn't think about yeah. that, you know? So that, that part of automation, I don't like, but I understand yeah, automation I, is there for you. There's a balancing act. Sometimes people come to me, you know, they're looking for help with pipe drive and they say, I hear it quite a lot. They say, I want to automate my entire sales process. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. What do you mean by that? Like, what do you mean exactly? And 
and I have to kind of rein people in and, and really challenge them because people are like, well, when we move them through stages, we want emails to go out, blah, blah, blah. And I often find myself saying the same thing, which is, you know, I do think automation is good at the right times. And, you know, if you've, let's say, you know, consulting workflow, somebody books a call, they chat with me. I'm not going to automate the follow-up there because we've just had a, like a personal a human interaction. Like you just said, I'm going to follow up with a personal email mm. uh, where I can reference what we talked about and say, Hey, Kay, this is what we talked about. This is what I think we should do next. If you automate that, you number one, you're just not going to be as effective at selling and closing a deal because it's automated. It, you're much far better off taking the extra few minutes to write something meaningful, meaningful. And yeah. I think that's, I guess if we're talking about sales, that's the time where, you definitely do not want to be automating as while you while you are following up, you're pitching. I think automation comes in. Um, what I do, for example, is maybe I followed up with a personal follow up. Even I've tried calling them a number of times, and they're ghosting me. They're going cold. Mm. Um, then I'll say, right, this is my final follow up. I'll leave you on my newsletter list. So then my newsletter kicks in. They're going to get my every couple of weeks a new video about pipe drive comes out so i'm kind of keeping them in the loop hey here's a new video and then inevitably a lot of people come back and say hey paul reaching back out you know i've uh, been getting your emails that thanks they're really helpful i'm ready to carry on with that project and so okay. i think and for me i found that's a balance that works quite well um so you're not totally sacrificing all that human interaction and personalization but you are using automation strategically to um, in the right way to keep those cold leads kind of warm and and um until they are ready to ready to take it to take that next step yeah i think that's a great way of doing it and you, you kind of hit the nail on the head because a lot of people do use automation the wrong way and i think that's mm. where the 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 thing with me i hate automation there is another part of yeah. automation i don't like uh and I'll, I'll come to that but again so many people sell automation as if it's like this you just did a post about passive income and it's not mm. passive because there's so much work involved, you know, setting up these automations, setting up these newsletters, setting, I mean, there's it, a lot, it's the, not passive. Learning as well. Just getting through right. the learning curve about even having the skills to do it. Yeah, it's, it, it's a lot of work and people don't realize that. And I didn't realize that at the beginning as well. Um, to be honest, when I started working, it was like, oh, I want to do passive stuff. And then when I tried it, it was like, wait, this, no, this isn't simple enough. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to do this. So there's a lot, so much work people don't realize. But a lot of people, um, consultants, try to sell this automation thing as it's this Valhalla of, mm. you know, and it's not because, and, and it kind of brings me on to the part of the automation I really don't like. And the whole simplicity thing is that if something breaks in the chain, depending on what the automation is, you've got to try to figure out what it is. And it's a pain in the butt sometimes. Yeah. And yeah. you've done you've done this thousands of times with your clients and they're like, why isn't this? What? I mean, I'm sure of it because I get that with different yeah. things. So, and and it, 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 it's a tricky one because uh, a lot of. You know, obviously, you hope that you've done a good job and it doesn't break for a reason that you are the cause of, like the automation, you know, maybe you didn't think of a certain, oh, you know, if the data comes in like this, we didn't think about how to handle it. Uh, and, and sometimes there is a bit of fine tuning to make it more reliable. But sometimes, like I had one the other day, Pipedrive server was down. <laughs> a client, if right. he forwarded me the uh, error email from Zapier and said, hey, Paul, there's this error. Can you take a look? And it says in the email, this was caused because there was a pipe drive yeah. server, server was temporarily unavailable. And I, I mean, I confirmed it and I, I went and had a look, but that was just something that's just like outside of my control. There was nothing wrong. Everything would have worked 
as planned had PipeDrive server been working. Right. But yeah, inevitably you have to troubleshoot some of these things and uh, can be I mean, a bit time suck. I mean, sometimes APIs change and they don't tell you. Sometimes. Mm, yeah. That's a pain. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to... Yeah. I mean, this whole thing about, um, you, you know, using social media, you're the product, etc. I kind of... It's, it's not the same, but I, it's kind of... To me, in my mind, it's kind of the same in the sense that you're tied to an api you're tied to a network you're tied to someone's server going down you're tied so when that link one of those links breaks then i i just it doesn't sit well with me hence this yeah. overall <laughs> notion for me as you know automation sucks it, it doesn't suck it of course it it works and it and it's good and there's certain automations that work so for instance if i'm sending out something I don't use buffer, I, I use uh, Publer, but I just use the word pub, um, buffer. Yeah. If I'm using buffer and I'm sending it out and buffer doesn't work, I can go to individual networks and just post the thing that I wanted to do. Very simple, easy. But if you've got a Zapier going on or uh, what's the other one called? Insta something? Uh, in Integramat. Integramat. So if you have one of these things and it goes down, your client is going to call up like you've just mentioned, and you've got all this headache. To me, that's not simplicity. <laughs> that's more headache than, than anything. So I don't know how this has happened, but I've, my business is, is in such a um, bubble in, on its own where I don't really worry about external influence so much, and it's happened accidentally in a way, yeah. and I love it. So I don't have to worry about those kind of things. And, and I choose not to work with, uh, with um, certain type of clients as well. It, it's going back to this no thing. Yeah, I think a good way to summarize it is like, and this is something I've, as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking in my head, this is something I've done in other areas of my life. But I think I've always tried to be as self-sufficient as I can. Right. That's why I wanted to work for myself in the first place. I was like, I don't want a job. I don't want to have a right. boss and have someone tell me how much I should get paid. Like I want to be my own boss and set my own hours and make as much as I want or as little as I want. And, you know, just have the freedom to make my own decisions and work where I want and travel if I want and just sure. be self-sufficient and not tied to somebody else. That was kind of even why I started my business. Um, but I've kind of carried that through to different, different decisions that I've made. Like, you know, I, uh, my master Asana and pipe drive programs that I created about a year ago. Now I created an online course element to those and I looked at a few of the online course platforms like Teachable and, you know, a few others. But I was yeah. like, no, I, I, really, I want to keep it on my website. Again, I don't want to be beholden to some another company because I'm already using, you know, inevitably you have to use a few bits of software to run your business. So if I can keep this in my under my umbrella, right. that's always terrible to me. And, and I think, yeah, that self-sufficiency is something that I've um, tried to steer towards when possible. Yeah. I, it's funny, I, I tweeted something about this, and I'm sure you saw it, own your audience. And um, yeah, yeah. it's such a big thing. People don't realize this. You're using all these platforms. You're giving away all your information, all your content, all, all your SEO juice to these companies who really don't give a shit about you, to be honest. Yeah. They're there to make money and keep eyes on that. So I just started my um, community. That's a topic for another discussion. But I was trying to figure out how I can keep it under my own umbrella. And so I was really looking for the right 
sim simple tool and stuff. And I, and I came across Circle, and, which is really nice because you can add your own domain stuff and it's working out quite well. If I leave Circle, the domain matters. So I can point everyone to the right place. Right. Yeah. So those little things really matter because owning your audience is such a huge thing. You have a massive email list um, and that's owning your audience because mm. I, I don't see you posting so much on Twitter or um, LinkedIn or social barely. media necessarily. Yeah. No, barely. And that's because you own your audience. And, and I think people listening in got to understand you have to own your audience because if you don't, you're your hands are tied because if yeah. if they kick you out, for instance, I mean, did you yeah. know this thing about, I mean, we spoke about this before and you, I think uh, I mentioned it in one of your group calls about YouTube changing their TOS and the TOS basically says, if we think, if we think your channel isn't financially viable, we can cancel your oh, account. Yeah. I remember that. yeah. That's crazy. Mm. So all these people. I saw a tweet somebody tweeting the other day he, he was saying his personal google account was shut down yes. and he couldn't he, he tried to talk to somebody at google to figure out why he just wanted a reason what have i done what terms of service have i breached and they couldn't they couldn't say anything so we we don't support personal google accounts uh you need to post on the forum and i i, I don't know how that was resolved or whether it was resolved to be honest i don't think it's it like, was it's like, what, you can just have your google account shut yeah. down yeah, without every. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the you know another problem I have with big tech, and and again, yeah. own your audience is the same thing as own your data. I mean, if if you don't have control of your data because everything is yeah. in the cloud and so on. And this is why when I was kind of in the rabbit hole, learning about starting an online business, you know, probably back in twenty sort of fourteen. Um, listening to podcasts and reading blogs about building audiences, listening to kind of the Pat Flynn's and Fizzle mm. podcasts, things like that. The, the common sort of theme that kept coming up was, you know, the importance of a newsletter list. And a lot of people saying, you know, I should have started my newsletter list earlier um, for exactly that reason. You know, yeah, you can, you can be a Facebook influencer or an Instagram influencer, but you don't own the audience. Whereas with um, an email list, I've done it. I started on MailChimp. MailChimp, I decided wasn't right for me after a few years, and I'm now on ConvertKit. And I could just yeah. take that list and take it with me. Um, it doesn't matter what what tool I use. Um, and so, yeah, in hindsight, I'm, I'm glad I put the the time and the energy into the newsletter list early on because it's worked out well for me. And as you as you mentioned, yeah, I don't really do much social. Um, yeah. It just it, it doesn't really suit the type of clients or type of audience I'm looking for anyway. Like you know, if I'm talking about productivity, how many people are you're trying to be productive or on Facebook or even especially my clients, my clients aren't searching for help with Asana or pipe drive on Facebook. Maybe, maybe there's an argument to be made about doing more on LinkedIn, but um, what I'm doing at the moment works for me and it's, it's enough. So <laughs> yeah, well, again, it goes back to how much is enough. You don't want to, yeah. you know, go crazy with the whole um, loads of work thing. Um, this discussion came up yesterday about, yeah, I only work with three clients at a time. I don't want to do any more than that. So how much is enough? That to me is enough, right? <clears throat> but yeah, the only audience thing is is such a huge thing. And your your tech stack's quite on point as well. It's quite minimal in a sense because you you did the Miro thing, which I saw, uh, yeah. which I looked at, and I was like, wait, this isn't that dissimilar to mine. It's slightly different tools, but it's not a, yeah, it's it's not a huge amount. I mean, to rattle off the things that I use, I mean. Firstly, with all my 
productivity tools, I, I stick to a lot of the just default Apple stuff. Like I use Apple Mail, Apple Calendar, yeah. Apple Notes. I have tried a lot of the third-party clients for Mail and Notes. Yeah. I was on Evernote for years. I actually really like the simplicity and the reliability of Apple products, um, especially with Mail clients. Mail clients can be really touch and go with search and, and sending messages. So I just find that Apple ecosystem really rock solid and that being in the Apple ecosystem a lot with my, you know, having the phone, the Mac, it works really well. And then for project management, Asana, my CRM, Pipedrive, uh, email list, ConvertKit, you know, and then Zappy is kind of the glue that holds all of it together. So um, yeah, it's not, it's not a lot really, you know, I, I'd yeah. call that, you know, those are the main building blocks. Yeah. Of my business. Obviously, there's some stuff in the background and Calendly and stuff, but the the big pillars of my business are run on those tools, yeah. Yeah, you don't need that many tools, and this is what I'm trying to kind of you know, hammer into everybody. Everyone sees all these tools. My job is to go and find those tools. Don't do as I mm. do, do as I say. So I use a bunch of tools, not because I want to, it's because I'm interested in tools, and that's my job, to find the right mm. tools for the right client. So people say, well, you use this and, oh, you just said you use that. And like, yeah, I use these tools because I need to test them out and check them out for you. So, so mm -hmm. I'm doing the job so you don't have to waste your time, yeah. right? And I love doing that stuff because that's why I do what I do. But like you said, the Apple stuff just works. It yeah. really does just work. Uh, the Notes app. The I mean, I've just found an app called Craft. And... I, I use Basecamp, but I'm actually going to stop using Basecamp because of craft. Because the thing oh. that I was using Basecamp for, I can do in craft. Okay. Right? And no, so nothing to I've, do with the recent controversy at Basecamp. No. Then. We'll get into that. We'll get into <laughs> we'll that. Talk to them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll definitely get into that because I have a lot to say about that one. Um, but no, I use, I use Hey Email. I love it. I really do yeah. like it. Um, but there's an issue with Hay that I don't like. Again, nothing to do with the whole Basecamp debacle. Mm. I'm thinking of moving back to Apple Mail because, as you said, no it just works. Yeah. But again, it's... Okay, can we can we dig into that now? So why... Because you probably saw, I posted about it fairly recently as well, as considering switching and this is what I'm looking at, Hay, and how I, how I went about the decision, I decided to stick with Apple Mail and I kind of talked about my thought process. But... I, because I do know you're a big fan of Hay, so why are you thinking of switching fan. back? Okay, I am a huge fan of Hay, right? I really am a huge fan of Hay, but there are certain things, there's certain things because of the simplicity I don't like, and I like, I prefer the simplicity of Apple Mail over it. But what I don't <laughs> like, the, okay, what I said in a tweet recently is you marry the person you hate the least. Right? You dislike the least, not hate, dislike the least. And you use the software that you d dislike the least. They're the same thing, right, to me. So it doesn't mean that I don't, I dislike Hay or dislike Apple. I just think Hay is a bit too closed in. I have mm. to work the way they work. And that, that it wasn't a problem necessarily. I, I do love using it. So I'm really torn apart as to me wanting to go back to Apple Mail yeah. because there are certain features that I am going to miss. Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm really thinking long and hard whether I should do the switch. Okay. But if I did do the switch, it would be Apple Mail. It wouldn't be anywhere yeah. else. Yeah. Now, 
The thing with Hey is that it's a service. It's not a skin for email, right? It's mm. two things in one. There's a skin and there's a service. So what's the backbone of, if I move over to Apple Mail, what's the backbone you're going to use? Is it going to be your own domain, uh, your own um, server, you know, where your domain is hosted, yep. et cetera, et cetera. That I would never do again. Never, ever. Yep. What were you... What were you on before? Hey, did you were you G Suite? Oh God, uh, I was I was on G Suite. Then I moved over to Fastmail, uh, okay, and then yeah. I went to Hey. Now I still have yeah. Fastmail because of mm. my archive email. That will never change. That's my backbone, yeah. right? So w when it comes to my service, the service is Fastmail because I really like it. Um, it's solid. It works. It has a great feature set, but Again, that's just the backbone. I wouldn't be using the skin of Fastmail. No. So yeah. the skin of Fastmail or the skin for the email would be Apple Mail. It wouldn't be anything else. Yeah. I've tried. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Um, MailPilot. Mm. Um, they keep Spark. changing. Spark. Cloud Magic. They're, yeah. they're all of them, right? And they all yeah. have nice features. OnMail is another one. Mm. But they're just complicating things. And I think yeah, people complicate email. We had this discussion with somebody in your group um, this week about. Oh, yeah. 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 Stop complicating it. It's email. Yeah. Communicate. Forget it. Yeah. With Hey, I was really interested when it came out. I mean, first of all, I thought it was really cool that a company went back to the drawing board with email. They sort of said, okay, Google and Microsoft and Apple, you know, they've had their way of doing email for years. If we were starting email again in 2021 with the challenges that we have now, what would make email great? Uh, so I just really like the fact that somebody was willing to take on that challenge. And I looked at the demo video and there were some really interesting features. It was a completely new way of managing email, like with the um, what you, the screening list. Screening. You've got your great, inbox. Uh, great feature. Really interesting. Yeah, because obviously, yeah, I mean, with spam now. Um, and that inspired me. I started blocking people more. So if I, if I, I can't screen people before they come through, so sometimes I get cold outreach emails, I just block them now. And that, yeah. that was actually something I started doing since watching the Hey demo. I was like, there's this feature in Apple Mail. I haven't been using it. I'm just going to block people. So if yeah. they follow up again, it's just going to get deleted instantly. Yeah. And um, so I kind of picked that up. Um, but And th so there's a few features that I was really interested by. The thing that one of the big things that I couldn't get past, though, was that you can't move across your archive. I think you had that concern when you originally signed exactly. up as well. Yes. And yeah. I know that they're saying, well, it's a fresh start. Um, okay, that's nice. But in the real world, I have to refer back to emails a lot. You know, there's yes. the, and not not just in the short term, but sometimes it's like, oh, you know, I need to find an email maybe from six or 12 months ago. So I'm going to have to still use Apple Mail. Yes. And so now I would have to use two tools. And if I'm putting on my simplicity hat, that's not that really <laughs> simple. So that was a big reason I couldn't make the switch. And And the other reason as well is that Actually, my, the way I do email works really well. If I was somebody, I'm not drowning in email. I do not have hundreds or thousands of unread email. Same. If you are someone that really struggles, maybe something like Hey would be more useful. Or that, that's why I sometimes recommend SaneBox. Uh, I think SaneBox is a useful tool for somebody that's drowning in email. I don't use it. I don't need it. I don't receive hundreds of emails. No. I get 20 emails. When I wake up tomorrow morning, I'll probably have about 20 emails in my inbox. It's really manageable. So there are some good services out there. Um, but I, I, I just kind of concluded that, hey, I didn't need it. 
the the feature set that I like um, is the screener, uh, and I mean the three main features is the screener, the paper trail, and the the feed. Believe it or not, but and mm. and it's yes, you can. Um, duplicate those in a way in Apple Mail, but you have to kind of hack it. And yeah. I've never been a fan of hacking things to try to figure things out. Like when I was using Apple Mail, I never had any folders. It was literally archive and inbox yeah. and that was it. That's the best way to yeah. do it. And people will say, well, how do you find something? Like, well, search for it. Search for it. And yeah. You know, the, the follow-up question, well, how do you know what to search for? I'm like, you didn't ask me that question. Did you <laughs> like if you lose your keys, you're not going to say, what am I looking for? You're saying I'm looking for keys. So you type in keys. Right. So yeah. anyway, um, but they have some really honestly that comes up. They have yeah. some really, really cool features looking at it now. It, it's hard to go away from it because of that screener. I don't get hundreds of emails, but the emails that I don't want to see, I don't want to see. And this really does work. And that's the mm. beauty of it. Um, so if I was to move back and I am thinking about it, um, it, it will only be Apple Mail because in this past two, two weeks, the, and we're going to get onto that now, the reason why I was started thinking about it is the whole notion of, oh, shit, my email is on a platform. What if that platform? Mm, yeah. That's the only reason I was thinking about because of can what's going you, on. So can you get your email out? Yeah, you can export it. That's not a problem. Right. Okay. So okay. it, it wasn't a, oh, shit, i got to do it now. It's kind of, yeah. can I move my data out? If I do, what tool would I use? Mm. So I looked at Spark again. And there's one thing in Spark I hate, actually, is the sidebar. I don't want to see the sidebar, <laughs> the folder list. And I've mm. contacted them for over a year. Can you please give us the option to hide it? And they won't. And that's the only reason I don't use Spark. Because I think Spark is probably a really good one after mail, uh, okay. after Apple Mail. Then there is... Um, so with Apple Mail, you just have your inbox, the thread, uh, sorry, the, the list of messages, and then the message. So you don't have the sidebar. Okay. I don't use that. the sidebar. Don't use the sidebar I, I, at all. I was thinking about it. I use shortcuts to navigate. It's, uh, I think it. it's what, command one to go to the inbox. Command one, so two, super, three, yeah. Super easy. It, yeah. It depends on where you put them as to what the commands do. So, so yeah, I just use the commands. So it's quite easy. Now, let's get onto this whole base camp thing because I really want to <laughs> talk about this. So um, I personally don't think Basecamp is doing anything wrong. The way they did it is wrong, but I don't think they're doing anything wrong. And the way I, I, the way I um, said it on Twitter was if you're coming into my house and I'm asking you to take off your shoes and you say why, you ain't coming into my house. It's my house. It's my business. I run my business the way I want to run it. And if my business changes into the way that you were used to it, or then by all means, you're, more well, you're welcome to leave. That's the basics, the, the basis of me thinking Basecamp is right. Okay. Now, we don't know the whole story and we'll never know the whole story. I don't think yeah. we will ever. Now, uh, Casey... Blah blah uh, wrote in the Verge. Uh, oh, Newton, the, Casey Newton, yeah, Newton, he had some right? Really so he, reporting on it, yeah, yeah, he did. But from, from <laughs> I don't hate journalists, but I hate some <laughs> journalists, and I hate sometimes the way they um, report things without knowing the whole story. Now they know one side of the story, 
uh, they don't know the other side of the story. So they will report that one side. The problem with that is now everyone's got that one side in their head. And that's a problem I, that's a problem I have with that yeah. kind of reporting. So I'm not saying he's wrong. I'm just saying wait until you hear the full story. Yeah. But yeah. what they have done, what Basecamp have done and said, listen, this list, yes, yeah, stupid, let's get rid of it. Now we're changing it. We don't want to talk about this, that, and the other in the office or on office platforms. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. They're not saying you can't talk about it. They're just saying, listen, we're here for work. Yeah. I mean, if, if you had, you, you hire um, um, external people, right? And if they started talking, forget politics and forget any of that. If they started talking about, you know, my feet smell and blah, blah, blah in your, in your private Slack, you're like, dude, you're here to work. Come on. Right? Mm. And I think, I, yeah. and I equate it to that. I agree. I mean, when I asked you about it on Slack last week, and I had a conversation with a friend of mine who's um, a, a Hey customer and a Basecamp follower. He's read all the DHH, Jason Fried books over the years. I would call him like a fan of the company or was a fan of the company. We had a conversation yesterday, which is we both arrived at a similar conclusion, which is that the policy itself, we, I, yeah, see the logic to it. Like, let's, I even would have did it, done it differently and said, look, Maybe we're not going to ban political discussion on the work platform, but let's just just be a bit more respectful, a bit more mindful. I just think the way they went about it, it could have been a lot better. Yeah. Um, I think the intent the intent was right, which is let's keep Basecamp, our project management tool where we work. Let's keep it focused on work. Maybe there's there might be some political aspects to that sometimes, but let's just try and keep it focused. So I think, um, no, I agree. I don't disagree with the logic. I think it wasn't executed well. Um, yeah. The, they posted the new policy publicly before yeah. even sharing it with their yeah. employees, which I don't think is fair. Um, and overall, I feel I feel a bit disappointed, and I feel like it's a bit it's very hypocritical of DHH and Jason, who have spent years writing books, telling everyone how to run their companies, how to have the best corporate culture, how to reward your employees. And it turns out they've got all this dirty laundry. They've got, and they, you know, they value their customers, but they, they actually keep a list of funny customer names. Um, so it just feels really hypocritical that they've been telling everyone how to operate their businesses for years. And all this has been going on in the background. I, I, I don't disagree with that at all. I don't think they should have had that those names, even though I have a funny name and I don't care to be on that list, but that's a personal <laughs> thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually wrote about. You think so? Do you I'm think you're on the list? <laughs> I doubt it. It's not that funny, but it's. <laughs> did you read? I wrote a, a blog post yesterday about why I'm I called Kane. I haven't read it, but I did see the title. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I have no problems with people saying, you know, you can call me Oi. I don't. I'm not tied to my name, yeah. right? Yeah. My your name isn't anyway. There's something else, but um, I don't agree. I don't disagree with what you said. I think the way they went about it was absolutely wrong. But I don't agree with everyone saying um, I'm leaving because, well, I'm leaving because of a policy change is something, okay, I, we're changing our policy. And just because you've written books about the way you work and then you've changed the way you work now and saying new policy, I don't see a problem with that. It's like, well, mm. people grow, businesses grow, and they're changing. I do have a problem with them posting it out on public 
Yeah. Uh, but it's been going on for a while from what the I The impression understand. I get as well with people leaving, I, I think this is the straw that broke the camel's back. It sounds like some employees have, there's some underlying frustration and this was the yeah. final straw. Um, some employees yeah. mentioned, you know, in Casey's uh, reporting, they tr- after the list came out and it, 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 was, it had been a few years, but some people tried to set up a <clears throat> an internal group to talk more about diversity and some of these issues in the workplace. And the, Jason and David kind of shut it down. They're like, no, we're not doing that. And a few people saying they felt like they're running the company just for the fun of it. And they don't, if, if, if your agenda doesn't fit with that, then they're going to kind of get rid of you or they don't care. Um, so I, I just, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. We're only getting one side of the story, but my impression is that there is some deeper unhappiness there, and this was just the final straw. That that for a lot of people could well be. Yeah, I mean, it does sound. There's I've definitely heard of something. Company. Wow. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely something else going on that we don't know, and I'm reserving judgment until I hear everything. Mm. I've posted on Twitter about entitlement, people leaving due to entitlement. Now, and that's not me just saying because it's base camp and I like them or whatever, but it's about the people leaving. If you actually what, read their Twitter for the past two or three years and the things that they've said screams entitlement for them leaving. Mm. And it's hard to explain. Uh, I'm from the older generation, right? Um, so the way I think of things is different to you know, these 30-year-olds, 20-year-olds and whatever. And I think, not all, but I think um, a handful of them screams entitlement. Just just does. Not because of what I've seen now and what's happened yeah. now. It's because of mm. I followed these people. And when I read their Twitter, I'm like, really? Nothing to do with this Basecamp issue. This is before, way before even this came out. They're posting stuff, and I'm like, you really think like that? Are you kidding Mm -hmm. me? And then when this comes out, and everyone's shitting on Basecamp, I'm like, have you read their stuff in the past? (laughs) Dude, no. This this -hmm. doesn't compute. There's something else going on. And that's why I'm saying I'm reserving judgment. I'm not saying they're right, but I am saying the right part is it's their business, and they can do whatever they want, rightly or wrongly, rightly or wrongly. Um, I don't have a problem with that. So (laughs) even I was like, can I take my data out? Right? You have to to look at, you know, self-preservation. You've got to look after your own data, your own clients, your own. So, I mean, you know, we've just been talking about hay before, you know, and I bet they had some big plans for this product. I mean, how old? It's what, less than six months old? I don't know. It's a pretty new product. Um, It's a year, almost a year. Oh, really? Nearly a year. So, They've probably, they, I know they've got plans for things they want to do with Hay, and man, that's all down the toilet now. I mean, there's iOS they're team kind of busy, gone. busy for the next year. Yeah, their iOS team's gone. Yeah. And yeah. how do they even hire new people now with the, with this on uh, this burden on their shoulders? Who are they going to attract? Well, people who stayed there, they're going to attract those kind of people. So yeah. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with the people yeah. that are there. It's a challenge, but. Um, it's still a. Co- I mean, there's no I'm way sure I would get a job I there. I don't question. I don't question. Like the company will be fine, you know. And and I'm sure a lot of their customers, Basecamp and Hay customers, probably have no idea what's happened. No. Um, so I'm sure they'll come through it. But 
yeah, this next year or next half a year it's, it's going to be pretty I think it's just them, the yeah. I think it's just the fact that it's been aired out in public that's yeah. the um, divisive thing that's going on with everybody. You know, some people yeah. are like totally on one side and other side and some people can actually talk about it um, like an adult. Whereas you see stuff on Twitter and you're like, are you kidding? You're serious. And again, mm. it's the younger generation. <laughs> Got to be honest. There's some older people as well. Um, there's one yeah. guy, I'm never going to use Basecamp products. And blah, blah. You don't know the whole fucking story. Just, you know. I mean, on, on the flip side, you know, okay, everyone's quick to bash on Basecamp for what they've done and switch away from their products. But look at what Facebook's done. Look at what <laughs> the kind of stuff oh, that Google does. Like, are yeah. you deleting Facebook? Are you deleting Instagram? Do you still use WhatsApp? <laughs> you know, I don't use I don't use any of those. For well, I know have you, you, but you know, you no, 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 I understand. <laughs> Did you see the um, the Signal po blog post that um, they? Did you see this? Which oh, you've one? You got to see this. So Signal uh, put out a blog post a couple of days ago saying we um, bought some Facebook ads. Oh, and no, that one. Yes, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did see it. I that mean, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. bri oh, wow. They're doing some really cool stuff. Um, they were signal. shut down, though, weren't they? Facebook. Like, they were yeah. shut down because it's yeah. like, well, you know, we don't want you to tell everyone how we do it because that's what yeah. they were trying to do. So, as you say, if people are uh, quick enough to shut down a company that they kind of use, yeah, but they're still using those kind of companies like Facebook and so on. Yeah. Hypocrisy. It is good. It is good after this. What call it? Ten years of you know massive technological development with software and social media, and all the all the issues that that's brought with it. I mean, obviously these products are there's good and bad sides, right? You know, there's no question these products. It's it's a net good for the world to have social media. We have access to so much information and connectivity now. It's incredible, but it has brought with it a lot of issues, which the world is figuring out um it is nice though to see companies prioritizing privacy and just a good user a good customer experience and, and well privacy you know you've got apple at the forefront of privacy in their products you've got signal coming out with uh encrypted and private private messaging um browsers is it the brave browser you know privacy now is a legitimate selling point for it more is. and more products it's kind of it's just kind of nice to see like the world is slowly moving in that direction and more and pe more people are going yeah i don't need facebook and and a lot of these yeah a lot of these new products um not all of them but uh, some of them are actually coming from these big companies hmm. saying you know we didn't i don't agree with that so i'm going to build something privacy focused which is quite interesting vivaldi uh, browser who just come out with a new um, because, okay, we've got to track back a little bit. Google came out with a new technology to track people without oh, using, instead yeah, instead of using cookies. So they're like, hey, we're not going to use cookies. Isn't that nice of us? But then they bring out this thing called Flock, F-O-L-C, I think, mm. and which is going to track you even more than the cookies would. So now browsers are coming out saying we don't want flock so i think brave has stopped it um um firefox has stopped it vivaldi is actually stopped it but it's also stopping cookies as well it's sandboxing it so yeah like you say i'm so happy that these companies are coming mm -hmm. out 
to kind of on our side, on the consumer side, because these tech companies have got so freaking big now, um, so quickly, and I can't stop thinking why that has been, especially with Facebook. Because from what I understand, Facebook was given money by the government um, at the early stages. And there's a lot oh, really? of... Yeah, yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I wonder if... Um, I wonder if... Because we're still in really the early days of the internet, really. How old is it? Yeah. Like, mainstream internet, like, people have been on it since the early 2000s. That was when yeah. everyone kind of got an email address and social media became a thing. So it's really still so young. And you know the internet came out as this like uh, under the freemium model right how are we going to pay for this thing well we're going to run ads everywhere and we're going to give everything to users for free and that's i think that's partly the answer to your question how did it grow so quick everyone gets everything for free now information tools software who would say no to that but then now we're realizing well actually i don't feel comfortable giving away access to all this data and information and so i wonder if like i don't know what the time frame with this would be if it's 10 20 30 40 years but with something like with the emergence of cryptocurrency coming along, I wonder if that will support the change in the economics of the internet. So like, could we have an internet 20 years from now that's less ad-based and more streaming-based? So you might have a browser that is loaded up with Bitcoin, and as you click around and read the news or go onto any site, you're going to pay fractions of a cent to browse the internet. And you're not going to care because you're, you're going to get off and you're going to have paid sense to read an article or watch a video and cryptocurrency supports that because now microtransactions are possible and so we might be able to move away from an internet and and the the market will vote for this you know the market gets to decide and facebook facebook may be forced into a position where they lose customers because everyone starts going well i'm going to start streaming my content and i don't want to go on a platform that sells my data and where i see ads everywhere and i think people will vote with their wallets it's already started you know? It's already started. Um, company called Library LBRY. Um, I know I've known about them for a couple of years now. I've got some of my content on there, but again, I wanted to put it on my website. But it's it mm. it's like a YouTube. It, so they changed. Sorry, they rebranded to Odyssey. Odyssey being the public face of Library. Library being the back end of it and the the protocol. So whenever you watch a video the content creator gets paid. So there's mm. no ads. The quality of it is amazing. You can even live stream. They just released live streaming. And the SEC is trying to stop them. Oh, and the really? funny thing is, the people lobbying the SEC are Google, Facebook, YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Why? This, the SEC is only trying to stop it because of these lobbyists? They're, they're, stop, they're, they're they saying that... Well, the reason is because they give away library coins and the SEC says it's against some sort of weird rule that they have, which actually it isn't. But, but they're being lobbied by these big tech companies for the SEC yeah. to do something. So they're just coming up with stupid shit. Yeah. And if it goes through, because if you read the, um, the actual complaint, the SEC, if it goes through, it actually stops all other cryptos. And that's why big companies, crypto companies, are now on the side of library. Mm. And they've got just as much money as these big tech companies. So there's this big thing going on that no one really knows about. You know, it's mm. quite interesting. No yeah. So, yeah, just check out odyssey.com or uh, LBRY. 
which is library, which is the protocol. And okay. again, you can live stream on it. You can get paid on it. People are getting paid loads of freaking money. And it's like Bitcoin. So the prices are going up. Yeah. So I've got some library coins in there because I uploaded stuff and been watching stuff and I get coins. Like, I don't know how it works, but I got coins, you know. Yeah. It's simple economics. Like people just getting simple paid economics. for what they've produced, you know. It's like, you know, not this freemium model and, and there's this you are the product kind of thing happening in the background. Yeah. I think, um, again, the, the free thing. I mean, you put out a lot of free content. And the reason I do also as well, and the reason we do it is advertising. It purely is, right, in a way. Of course, you're there to help people because your, your videos do give out loads of uh, information. Um, mine are slightly different, but we give out all this free information to help people. But it, it is also advertising to, for people to understand what we do. And maybe, maybe one day you'll hire us, right? Problem, yeah, exactly. That's that's yeah. the way it is, and I and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The problem I find is that some platforms put ads on that, right? Mm. And the problem I have with YouTube, and this isn't taking anything away from you or your content, because you put your stuff on YouTube and you get mm. ad revenue ad, from it. Yeah, and there are ads revenue. on it. The problem I find is that a lot of other type of content. They make content so they get loads more ads. Hmm. So people watch clickbait stuff. So people watch yeah. it and they make money, right? So then who are you making content for? Are you making content because you want to make money or are you making or content? For yeah. Right, or for the algorithm. And that's where the internet has gone wrong. Yeah. Because these big companies, because they make so much money, they don't mind giving away a few for people to buy a car and whatever. And yeah. that's the problem with the internet right now. It's the advertising that's a problem. I fear. Yeah. I use Something ad block I, everywhere because I don't want to. Yeah. Something I had in the back of my head from years ago. Do, do you remember Matt Cutts from Google? Did you ever watch any of his videos? I recognize was, the name, but I don't remember. Matt Cutts was, uh, I think he, he's like a Google, I don't know if he, I don't think he's still there, but he's like a Google engineer on the SEO organic side. Right. Well, was in the early days, and he put out videos explaining these are the SEO updates that we've had, and these this is how to deal with them, and that kind of thing. And he oh, just yeah. said something really simple once, which is like, you know, when you're producing content, whether it's a blog post on your website or a video, just make it good for a human being. Like, hmm. don't worry too much about the algorithm. This is kind of my my interpretation of what he was saying is like, don't worry too much about the algorithm. If you make good content for humans that people find engaging, that's useful and valuable. The algorithm will reward you. You know, you'll get better rankings and more eyeballs on your stuff. So just just yeah. produce good content. And I was like, huh, that sounds good. That sounds like a good philosophy. Like rather than trying to understand how Google ranks stuff and optimize for keywords and do all this research and what's the optimum video length, I don't care about any of that. No. I just think about, well, I want to make a video about this new feature in Asana. Yeah. I, I don't care if YouTube prefers a longer video because that keeps people on more and it's more opportunities to sell ads if i can communicate my message in five minutes that's what i'm going to do i'm just going to produce good content that the viewer on the other end finds useful and that's what i've right. I, just, I just heard that years ago and it's something i've tried to stick with over the years yeah well that's the thing when i watch your videos it's not clickbaity it's like here's some information and by the way we, we spoke about this um yesterday in your slack about um, buymecoffee.com. Should yeah. we ask for 
as consultants, does it devalue your brand, your your worth if you ask for donations? Now, yes, it can, but it's not too dissimilar to what you're doing with YouTube ads. You, they're not paying, but you're gain, you're getting some money for the work that you put out there, and you're not doing it for the money. If it covers some things, fantastic, and that's the whole point of donations. So I'm right. So I don't see a problem with that. What I do see a problem with is a lot of YouTubers, as you say, clickbait stuff. I'll make it just over ten minutes. You saw, I mean, back in what a couple of years ago, everything was ten minutes and three seconds because it was over that ten minute mark, and there were even some. That was it. I don't even it was, know what. Yeah, this is how little I know. I was like, "Why is that important? Is that because yeah. that's when you get a second ad, or <laughs> yeah, you that? get more, you get more um, in video ads or whatever it was." And okay. there was yeah. loads of people pushing this. There's a guy, a big guy, called Roberto Blake that was pushing it back then. He's changed his tack now because now he has yeah. the followers. He doesn't have to. Yeah. So a lot of these gurus that talk about YouTube and how to game the algorithm, they're all saying, make it 10 minutes, three seconds. And there were even videos that were like six minutes long, but there was black for the rest of the four minutes oh, yeah. just to get over the, yeah, 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 yeah. And you're telling me that's not gaming the system? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I just can't be bothered as well. Like, oh, all the work that goes into trying to understand these algorithms. And look, no. what works today, it, they're going to change it in three months exactly. anyway. It's going to all exactly. be different. But uh, this is so going back to what. Bothered. <laughs> but this is going back to what you were saying. What I was saying about owning your audience, and you saying get an email list early on because yeah. that's the only way you can carry on doing your business if any of these yeah. kick you out or whatever so you have to mm. going back to what we're saying owning your audience and it's yeah it's it's a huge thing definitely own mm. your audience i think that's yeah. the takeaway from from this simplify mm. own your audience and don't automate so much <laughs> <laughs> Unless you been a, it's been a great <laughs> chat I, I i always love talking to you because we um chat on um, um, Slack all the time. But to actually have a conversation like this is is always great uh, when we do it. We've, we've done it a few times now and yeah, I love it. Yeah, no, I really enjoy our chats and, and, and thank you for inviting me on uh, to the conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anytime. Well, have a great day and we'll have a conversation another time. Thanks, Kay. Ciao.